Well, I'm glad you're here today, and uh, we've had a good service so far. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, if you would, please, chapter number 17. 1 Samuel 17. And uh, I am so thankful for what the Lord is doing in the hearts of our young people. And um, I'm thankful we have young people in our church, aren't you? There's churches today, their nurseries are empty and Sunday school classrooms are bare and it's, uh, uh, they're wishing there was life. I, I, I tell people all the time, they, they get, uh, they'll come up and apologize. My baby was fussing a little bit during the service and we, we like to hear babies fussing. That means there's life, you know? We like to, to see kids. We like things to be a little bit messy everywhere, so all, every so often. Not, not everywhere, but, you know, a little bit messy. That means there's life. There's kids around, and um, I'm glad we're a part of a church that has young people that have children. Chris and I were together this past week. I was interviewing a couple, and they have a one-month-old baby, and uh, I was holding that baby and and really enjoying that that one-month-old baby. And and I realized I was enjoying it because I was going to give it back to its mother. Um, <laughs> when it started fussing and Chris took a picture of that baby, me holding that baby and sent it to Michelle and Michelle texts back and said, he didn't even hold his own kids. Um, and, but uh, that's not true. I held them one time I did. First Samuel 17, first Samuel 17. And I'm going to preach today from a, a very familiar passage of scripture uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, if you grew up attending church, you've heard the story of David and Goliath. Matter of fact, uh, we took a trip to Israel, took a group of people from our church, and we stood in this valley of Elah where this battle took place. And uh, I took five stones out of that field uh, and brought them home with me, uh, this very place that uh, David took these five, these five stones, he put them in his pouch and, and uh, he took one and killed Goliath with one stone, just one stone. And I want to, I want to preach a message today and um, really from just, just with our, to our students, to our parents, to our church today, because I, I'm, I'm concerned for the direction that our, our nation is going. And I'm concerned for the direction that our world is going. And I, I'm concerned. I, I've had people say this, I'm glad I'm not raising children in today's generation. And they say that to me and I say, great, I've got five <laughs> in this generation. But I, I don't think that we need to be afraid of raising children in this generation. Because God's going to look for some that he's going to use in their generation to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so church, I don't, I don't think that we ought to be scared. I don't think that we ought to be afraid. I, I think we're faced with challenges. And I think that we ought to pray that God raises up a David to face these challenges. You know, every major revival, if you were to study it, every major revival started with prayer and with just a handful of people. Many, many of the greatest revivals that we've seen, or we've read, I, I don't think we've seen, maybe there's a few people that, uh, like Brian Mitchell, maybe he's old enough, he's seen a lot of those 
from years. But uh, we've not seen them, we've read about them. And they've started with a group of young people, a group of teenagers that believe that God is still powerful. And they want to see God work in their generation and they, they, they commit to prayer. They commit to fasting. They commit to letting God use them in a great way and God has blessed that. And great revivals have swept this nation and other nations around this world because there were some that committed to praying. And I, I'm praying that God will do the same. Be, before David was a, a mighty warrior, before David was a great king, before David was the father of the great King Solomon, he was just a young man. He was known by, by no one. David didn't have a great reputation. Great, David wasn't known, but he was faithful. And David was just simply faithful in keeping his father's sheep. He was faithful in doing the small things. But God had a, has a, had a bigger, much bigger plan for David. He's going to use this young man, David, to, to, sh to shape the world events. He's going to use this one man, David, to, to change Israel forever. Saul is, he is here in this, on a mountain, and there's a valley between him and a, another mountain. And on each of these mountain uh, tops, there is an army of Israel, and there's the army of the Philistines. And there was a great warrior, a great champion, the Bible says, that would come out and stand in this valley. And he would call down the armies of Israel, and the armies of Israel would flee, would hide. They were afraid of this one man. Let, let's read here, if you would follow along with me, in verse number uh, 17, the Bible, uh, chapter 17, verse number one. The Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. In verse number two, and Saul and the men of, the, of Israel were gathered together. They were in this valley of Elah. They pitched their tents and they, the battle was an array where they were, they were facing one another. They were, this battle has begun. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and the Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Verse number five, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had gra uh, graves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Father, would you help us today? Lord, would you give me clarity of thought today as I preach and only preach the things that would challenge your people that you want them to hear? 
Lord, we pray that you would raise up many Davids in our midst. Lord, the nations of this world are defying you. They're mocking you. They believe that the governments of this world, they believe they have the answers. In some nations in this world, it's, it's illegal to even do what we're doing here today. There are people in this generation, Lord, that if they caught with a Bible, they'd be punished. Lord, there's armies that are against us. There's nations that are against you. There's kings and rulers that mock you. And Lord, we need a David to stand. And so I pray, Lord, with our church, through our church, through your people, that you would call a great army of soldiers be willing to take this fight. They'd be willing to stand for you. Lord, they'd be willing to stand for the gospel. Lord, I pray that your name would be proclaimed and that your name would go out. I pray that the, the name of Jesus Christ would be preached in every corner of this earth. I pray that you draw men and women and boys and girls to you. Lord, I pray that you'd save people from an eternity of hell, from an eternity without you, never an opportunity to ever come away from this place called hell. And so, Lord, we have one choice. We have one generation. We have one chance now to reach seven and a half billion people alive today. And so, Lord, we're going to need warriors. We're going to need a church that's committed. And so, Lord, do this great work. I pray that we be submitted to it. And I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. David is living during the time when Israel calls her first king, King Saul. The people desire a king. And so this, this man, David, he's a, a shoulders... Uh, taller than every, everyone else in the land. There's King, da King Saul. If there was the tallest there in this army that should go fight this giant, it should be King Saul. Because he's taller than everyone else. He's the king. He, he's the one that should be leading this army to defeat this man called Goliath. It should be King Saul that takes a step off of that mountaintop, out of his tent, and begins to walk through that valley toward that, that, man, that man, Goliath. And, and, and it's him that should say that I'm coming to you in the name of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm coming to you with his power and his might. And, and you're not going to defy my God any longer. But it's not. It's Saul, this king that's cowering, that's, he's on this mountaintop. He's hoping and choosing, he's hoping that some other man would come and do what he should do. The king's role is to lead the armies to battle. But we find Saul afraid. We find David 
in Saul and Israel at battle with this Philistine army. And I want you to see what we find in verse number one through verse number 10 that we read here. Just simply, we find this battle. We find a battle. Israel is not just back and enjoying the peace and enjoying their land. There's a battle raging. David is not just caring for his father's sheep. He's, he's come to this battle to see this battle raging, this battle in array, to hear this Philistine giant begin to mock and defy and curse the God of Israel. We find the Philistines fighting against Israel. And we don't know the reason. The Bible doesn't give us the reason that the specific reason that they've come here today to fight this battle. But we do know this, that Philistines, they despise Israel. They despise Israel's God. They want nothing to do with the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. They've, the Israel's been given this land by God and, and, and the Philistines, they're resisting God. They're resisting God's plan. They, they want nothing to do with God. If God says this, the Philistines say, we don't agree and we'll fight it. And so reality, what we find is the Philistines aren't fighting Saul and the Philistines aren't necessarily just fighting Israel. The Philistines are fighting God. They're resisting God. We find in our society today, there's a battle. We, we find in our society today that the, the world's armies, the world's kingdoms, the world's rulers, they're resisting God. If God says, this is what I want, we're finding rulers of this world saying, we defy God and we're going to do things our way. They say this, they call this generation or this time a post-Christian nation or a post-Christian generation, meaning this, that Christians aren't accepted. The way of Christianity is not accepted. And we're seeing it even in our own nation by the day, by the month. And it just seems even by the hour, it's getting worse and worse. We're seeing laws that are passed and laws that are made that are defying God. This past week, church, we saw this Equality Act, this, this, this bill pass our house, and it ought to alarm us as Christians. We're seeing nations shake, shake their fist at God. They we're seeing them resist God. We're seeing them resist his word, and we're seeing them resist the truth. The nations of this world have, have arrayed themselves against God. We see this today in our nation, in our world. They've arrayed themselves against God. They don't desire God's plan for this world, but, but they desire their will. And they're trying their best, trying their hardest capture the minds of our young people, to get them to resist God, to despise God, and even question in their heart, is there a God? And as Israel of old, we today, the people of God, I believe we find ourselves in a battle. No, we got ready this morning and 
I know we came to church and we didn't have to go through any checkpoints and we didn't have to hide our Bibles and, and we didn't have to, 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 to go out under the cover of darkness and meet. I, I understand that we, we have freedoms and liberties today. We're here today without threat, uh, the threat of any, any guards coming in or any police officers coming in and closing this down. I, I understand as a church that we have some liberties. We live in a, in a wonderful, great nation and we have liberties and freedoms here in this nation. But I'm, I'm simply saying this today there is a battle raging against Christianity, against God and against the people of God. There is good and there is evil in this world. And there's a battle between the two. There's a battle between God's way and man's way. There's a, there's a battle between truth and verse lies. And there's battle between the Bible and versus humanism. God says in his word, thus saith the Lord, and, and that's what we believe. But there's generation here we're living in that is anti-God's word and anti-Bible. And they don't want to hear what God has to say. They have their own agenda and they have their own way of doing things. There's government systems around this world, communism and socialism. It's anti-God. It's anti-God. It's, it's man has all the, the, the uh, uh, things that you may need. Government rules the people. There's no place for God. There's no need for God. Government is God. This is dangerous. And it's infiltrated our school systems and it's infiltrated our higher learnings and it's infiltrated the, the minds and the hearts of, of, of our young people in this generation. And it's dangerous because it's anti-God. We don't need God when we have the government. We can supply for ourselves. We don't need the truth of God. We'll do what feels good to us. We don't need God. It's dangerous today. There's a battle raging. And all the armies of Israel, they're afraid of this one man. Look with me in verse number 23, if you would, please. The Bible says this in chapter 17, verse number 23, and he talked with them. Behold, there came up a champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And look what happens in verse number 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him, and they were sore afraid. David comes to this this battle that's at array or, or, or set against each other. We, we find that there's a battle taking place. And secondly, I want you to write this down someplace. We find God's people afraid. This is disturbing. The Philistines have a champion, a, a man by the name of, of, of Goliath, uh, uh, the man of Gath. He's a, he's a giant, and he comes out every morning and every evening, and he goes out before the people. When Goliath comes out and he begins to speak, God's people run. All of the armies of Israel are afraid. 
this, this giant, he's loud. This giant is arrogant. This giant is big. This giant is intimidating. And he appears unstoppable. He appears to be too much for one man or even this whole army of Israel to defeat. This giant Goliath is paralyzing God's people in fear. Why? God's people, Israel, this this army of Israel led by King Saul, they serve the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. They serve the God with, with his words, created all things. That's who Israel serves. Philistines, they serve a God of self. They serve a God of, of we're sufficient. They serve a God of, 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 of uh, a Goliath. But this Israel, they serve the one true God. The, they serve a God who formed the mountains and the oceans with simply his words. They serve the God that, that sent the plagues to Egypt, the greatest nation, the most mightiest army on the face of the earth, and God sends plagues. He frees his people. It's God that, that parted the Red Sea when the Israel thought they were in certain defeat and in death, and God comes through and he parts this Red Sea and gives them safety. They serve the God that when they were in the wilderness, he sends manna and sends quail. He's the one that when they were thirsty, caused water to come from a rock. He's a God that has always met their needs and always supplied. He opened up the earth and swallowed the rebellion of, of those that were against Moses and against the leadership there in the wilderness. They, they serve the God of the universe Yet they fear this one man. They fear Goliath. I'm troubled in my heart for us today, church. As I mentioned, this most recent act, this Equality Act that has passed our house. Today, we're fighting against the Toledo City Council. They're getting ready to pass an ordinance that would prohibit or stop us from, from standing in front of the abortion clinic downtown and in protesting or, 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 or giving women another option. These things are happening in our world today. This Equality Act, if you haven't followed it, Christian, you need to, you need to see what's happening all around you. It's going to affect society. It's going to affect our church. It's going to affect our school. There's a battle raging. We're celebrating homosexuality and, and gender uh, neutral identity issues. They're celebrating it in our nation. We're living in a generation when the armies of this world are arrayed themselves against God and they've arrayed themselves against God's people. And it's not being done in secret, it's being done openly. And I stand before you today to, to, to exclaim to us, we cannot back down and we 
cannot give in and we cannot give up. And we have to raise a generation of young people that will stand for the word of God, that will stand on the principles of God, that will stand as David stood in his generation. And although this giant may be intimidating, although this Philistine army may seem strong, we serve the God of Abraham. We serve the God of Isaac. We serve the God that created this universe with simply his words. And we need to get our young people to realize it's their responsibility to stand. Allow them in our church to allow what's happening in our nation to happen in our church and school. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. It would be illegal for us it would be illegal for us to, to, to not hire a teacher that comes in and says, I'm a man, but I identify myself as a woman. And listen to me, church. Listen to me in my heart. Hear me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how deep sin you've committed. Every single person can come to the foot of the cross. That blood that we sang about this morning can cover, can wash away the most deepest, darkest sins that you've ever committed. And that's the gospel message we preach. I don't care what you've done. Jesus Christ loves you and he wants to save you. And, and we preach this with love and we'll preach this with compassion. But as we preach with love and we pe preach with compassion and we preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we cannot allow sin in our midst. And, and we don't hate because we despise sin. We despise sin because we love God. We preach the gospel because we love people. And it's people that we want to get the gospel to. But listen to me, I'm simply saying there's demonic presence. There's a spiritual warfare that's taking place that is, is challenging the church today. And it's challenging the people of God today. There's a battle that's raging. We find here in this passage of Scripture what God's people did. They ran. They were afraid. They were looking for someone else to fight this battle. And all listen to me today, the battle versus good and evil, the battle for good is our battle to fight. The battle for the word of God and the gospel is our battle to fight. We can't leave it to someone else to fight these battles. It's time the church stands up and stands for the word of God and stands for the truth of God's word and stands for the gospel of Jesus Christ and is not intimidated to do so. Thirdly, I see this in this passage of scripture. Look with me in verse number 29. The Bible says, <clears throat> David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Look with me in verse number 32. He said, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Because of what? Because of this man, Goliath. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. We, we see a battle raging. We see God's people afraid. But thirdly, I want you to write this down. We find God always has a champion for his cause. In verse number 33, 
Look with me in verse number 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. We find first there's always a, God always has a champion for his cause, but there's always going to be fear from the people to contend with. Here, here's Saul. Here's a man that, Saul, he's not willing to go. And there's a young person that says to Saul, hey, I'm willing to fight this battle. Let me go. And Saul says, you can't go. You're just a youth, and this battle is, is bigger than you are. I want to say that Saul was looking at the wrong thing. He was looking at this boy instead of looking at this boy's God. It wasn't this boy that was going to go fight Goliath. It was this boy with the strength and power of his God that was going to go fight Goliath. And I I want you young people to know something today. You may say, I want to champion this cause for God. And there are going to be some that say, you're too young and you're not smart enough and and you just need some more time and and you just need to to, to learn a little bit longer. There's always going to be some people that that, uh, you're going to have to contend with. I, I find this as well. Look with me in verse number 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You know, not only are there going to be some people that are going to you're going to have to contend with. You know what I find as well in this pastor's trip? There's always going to be discouragement from the brethren to contend with. There's going to be some that people that say this, we know we're living in fear, but, but we're okay living on this mountaintop with that Philistine defiling our God. When God champions a, 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 a young person, when God champions uh, uh, this man David with this cause, there's going to be some people that say, you're too young to do it. There's going to be others from within the brethren that say, you can't do this. Discouragement comes. <laughs> Look with me in verse number 42, if you would. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained himself, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog? Thou comest to me with staves. And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, into the beasts of the field. I want you to see this thirdly, that when God champions a man, there's always going to be fear of the people to contend with. There's always going to be discouragement from the brethren to contend with. And there's always going to be a threat from the enemy to contend with. But there is a cause. And there's a reason to stand. In church, our God's name is being defiled. And God's holiness is being mocked. And God's will is being ignored. And that is a reason to stand. That is a reason for us to be serious in this generation. That is the reason for us to invest in the lives of our young people. That's a reason for us to encourage them to serve the Lord, encourage them to to fight this battle. There's a battle that is raging against us today. 
And unfortunately for many of us, we're standing on this mountain and we see it's happening and we're not sure what to do and we're watching it unfold, but we're doing nothing of it. God's name is being mocked and his, his name is being defiled. The gospel is being mocked. And all oh, what we sang about this morning, the blood of Jesus Christ, it must be preached. It has to be. I am so tired of losing our young people to this world. I'm so tired of the apathy within church. I'm so tired of standing on the mountain, watching the armies of this world defy our God. The church stands paralyzed in fear. And our young people are being washed away into humanism, being washed away in this worldly philosophy. There is a cause. And the cause is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the cause is worth fighting for. And the cause is worth standing for. Because there's coming a day that every single person, some seven and a half billion people in our generation, they're going to step out into eternity. And if they don't know Jesus Christ as their savior, they're going to step out and spend eternity in hell. And if that's not a cause enough, I don't know what else is. I was speaking this past week to a preacher. And he said this, he says, I just don't know how to motivate our people anymore. I don't know what to do to get them excited. I don't know what to do to motivate them. And as I listened to him, I was discouraged as I was listening to his story. And after I hung up with him, I just thought to myself, you know, there was a day the preachers preached against hell and it motivated the people of God to say, we're going to stand for the gospel. And we're going to go into our community and we're going to share the gospel with every single person we can. Because heaven is real and so is hell. We're going to raise godly people. We're going to raise, have a godly marriage. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to uh, live for Christ. And we're going to put the word of God in our home. And we're going to live the word of God. And we're going to, we're going to speak the word of God. And it's going to change our home. And there was a day, there was a time where a Christian home actually meant something in this world. Now they're fighting and bickering about the same thing the unsaved neighbors fighting and bickering about. They're not getting along just like the unsaved neighbors aren't getting along. And I'm simply saying, where's the hope for this world? If the Christians don't see that there's a cause. Husbands, why should I love the, my wife like Christ loved the church? Because there's a cause. Wives, why should I submit to my husbands? Because there's a cause. Why should we continue with the Christian school? I'll, I'll be honest with you. It'd be easier to close our school down. It'd be easier, but there's a cause. There's a generation that God has given us 
my wife said to me often while we were going through that lawsuit, they'd, they'd news cameras in the parking lot calling me early in the morning wanting an interview and, and uh, uh, my kids would watch the news and they said, Dad, you're on the news. And Michelle said this, I believe in what we're doing, but I wish somebody else's husband would do it. But I want my five kids to know that their dad believes there's a cause. And I'm not going to just, just stand by and hope that some other, somebody else's dad stands up for that cause. I still believe that Christian schools are necessary in this generation. I think there's a cause. I still believe that we ought to have young people that, that have Christian uh, teachers that, that uh, teach them in, 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 in Christian curriculum. I, I read an article just recently. They're trying to attack Christian curriculum. They're calling it, calling it uh, hate and calling it uh, 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 white supremacist. And, 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 and the two curriculums we use in our school, Bob Jones Press and the Becca Book, they're trying to get them where they're no longer allowed to print their material. I'm simply saying to you, church, there is an onslaught. There is a battle taking place. But I want you to know this. Your pastor's committed to it. Committed to it. There's a cause. And I want God to take one of these young people to run down that hill into that valley of Elah with five stones. And somebody says, five stones. What are you going to do with five stones? I don't know. All I know that there's a God that can use these five stones. Oh, David didn't go down bigger and mightier. David just did, went down with faith. He didn't go down with, a, with, a, with a, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the beam and the sword bigger than Goliath. I, I was reading through this passage of scriptures I was studying, and I thought, why did God spend so much time describing everything that, that Goliath had on, Tom? Why, why we read 10 verses, and it's almost like, just get to the battle. What happened? But we read about what Goliath is wearing and his, his, his helmet and his weaver's beam and how big it is and how tall he is and this guy going out before him with a, with a shield. I'm thinking, why do we need to know all that? Because it reminds us, no matter how big the giant is, it reminds us, no matter how big his sword is, it, matter, it reminds us, no matter how, how big his helmet is, it reminds us, not big, no matter how big his shield is, God is bigger. And God is mightier and God is greater. And all God needs is a young lad to run down from that mountain with a sling and a small little stone, twirling that thing, saying, my God is greater than you. And defeat that giant. So church, there's a battle. There's a giant raging. We're arrayed against this enemy. We can fall asleep. We can rot, run in fear. Or we can stand and say, is there not a cause? I said we invest in our young people. 
I say we make the gospel of Jesus Christ the most important thing so they can't help but get it. I'm done with this. I had a pastor call me yesterday. <clears throat> Just got back in from town from interviewing this couple and he texted me and said, hey, I'm driving through Toledo. Do you have 20 minutes for a cup of coffee? And I said, ah, yes. <laughs> so we met and I love getting around this guy because all it pours out of him, soul winning in the gospel. I mean, that's all he talks about. That's all he talks about, witnessing to people and sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. I was so encouraged by the time I was done, I, I thought, man, this is what it's about, just, just soul winning and preaching the gospel and, 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 and telling people about Jesus. Letting God save lives. There was a, there was a time that, that preachers would come into cities across this nation and, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and bars would close down and drunks would get saved and drug addicts would get saved and prostitutes would get saved and, and, and moms and dads would get saved and young people would get saved. Now church happens in a community and nobody even knows. Oh, listen to me, the power of the gospel hasn't changed and hasn't diminished. It's still powerful. It's still saving souls. Heaven is still real and heaven, hell is still real. The difference is we need a David. A David that'll run by God's power and God's might to defeat the enemies of God. Would you pray with me today that God would send a David? Would you pray maybe that you are that David?